The Pat Kenny Show with Aviva Insurance on News Talk. John Simpson, author, broadcaster, editor of BBC World Affairs. Good morning and welcome. Good morning, Pat. It's nice to talk to you. It's good to talk to you again, uh, John. And we want to talk predictably about Gaza and what's going on there. Um, the political forces are, are mounting against the uh, continued onslaught by the IDF on Gaza, uh, including uh, claims by Joe Biden himself that um, Israel must stop what he called indiscriminate bombing. Yes, I mean, they've rode back a a little bit from that because uh, it is, of course, a very serious allegation to make against uh, um, uh, um, uh, an army that it's indiscriminate. It doesn't care whether it kills civilians or not. I mean, the fact is that 18,000 civilians have died, a large, quite a significant proportion of them children, in response to the the murder, the appalling murder of something like thirteen uh, um, one thousand three hundred, that's more than ten times the number uh, killed by Hamas so far, and it's not over, obviously. Um, so that is a, a a serious thing. But you, what you didn't say was what's happened to opinion uh, in Israel itself, and 60% of Israelis still support the operation. And interestingly, 40% of the um, Arab population of Israel also support uh, the, the, uh, the operation to root out Hamas. Now, it doesn't seem to be succeeding yet, and there will come a time when the Israeli government will have to consider calling it off mm. uh, without having achieved the, um, the 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 main aim, which is to get rid of Hamas. Very difficult thing to do. Um, but that's where we are at the moment. And yes, I mean, opinion internationally is certainly hardening against, uh, against Israel. Uh, but uh, as I say, within Israel, it, it's still uh, in favour of carrying on with the operation. Mm. Now, 60% is certainly a majority, but it's not an overwhelming majority. It's not quite uh, two thirds. But going back to that uh, claim about indiscriminate bombing, um, CNN was reporting that 45% of the munitions used by the Israelis were what are called dumb bombs. In other words, not guided missiles. Therefore, they are lobbed in the air and they hope that um, their operators have a good idea as to what the tra- trajectory might be, um, but they've no real way of knowing where these things are going to land. Yeah, and uh, I've, I mean, I've seen quite a lot of that over the years in places where Israel has, uh, has attacked, I mean, including in Gaza, but also in Lebanon. Um Armed forces have no indication with with dumb bombs uh, what sort of damage they'll do. And in the very intensely packed, uh, tightly um, um, convoluted streets of Gaza, uh, a a bomb that um, doesn't have a smart uh, uh, component can do an awful lot of damage to to people just sitting in their flats or walking down the the street so 
I mean, it is it is very dangerous. If you say it's indiscriminate, as Joe Biden did, um, and then the White House felt that it had to row back on that a bit, um, well, you're making an accusation against Israel, which Israel very strongly denies that it doesn't care who it kills as long as it uh, it's killing Hamas people. Um, Israel says that that isn't true. Um, I, I, you know, it's difficult to know unless you're there. And of course, um, Israel's keeping uh, journalists out of the out of the area altogether. So it's very difficult to know. Now, the the difficulty in trying to root out the uh, Hamas militants from the tunnels, for example, there is talk of Israel flooding the tunnels and maybe they've already begun and they'll be doing this with seawater and there are those who are concerned, first of all, that hostages might be within those uh, tunnels and, you know, if they are forced out, uh, then they, along with whoever else emerges, might be subject to the attentions of the IDF. But secondly, that the water being seawater in those tunnels will contaminate groundwaters and will therefore make them undrinkable, leading to further humanitarian complexities. Yes, I mean, that that's a, a major uh, concern. I, I think, though, just to go back to the hostage uh, question, it, it, it looks to me as though uh, the hostages are now kind of um uh, taking a back seat to the uh the the destruction of 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 Hamas there's a hundred or so uh, people left some of them have been killed in the bombing some of them have been no doubt killed by Hamas um and uh it looks as though Israel kind of recognizes that it's going to be lucky to get uh, the majority of those remaining hostages back alive and so therefore they should just carry on uh with the uh the anti uh Hamas operations in, which include flooding tunnels and so forth i you know we've seen them putting the the uh the the water the um whatever you call those things you know down into the tunnels uh, we haven't seen them actually using water there yet i don't know whether they will but i imagine that they will want to do that um the consequences yes could be absolutely appalling i mean i i've i've got a friend who uh, is working in hama in uh, in gaza as a um uh, in the with the united nations and uh, he's constantly appalled by what he sees but the israeli government believes that the only way to stop all this is to destroy hamas a lot of people disagree with him including clearly um joe biden in the white house Mm -hmm. now joe biden uh, obviously has dispatched uh, jake sullivan who talked to uh, mohammed bin salman the crown prince of saudi arabia yesterday and uh, he will be uh, in Israel today. Um, the, the bigger picture, regional picture, what is he hoping that um, MBS will do? Well, I'd, I'm not sure that there's anything that MBS uh, really can can or would want to do. I think this is more um, a matter of showing that that the United States is on top of this. This is a major, major test of American 
democracy. It felt that an American power rather in the in the area. It obviously felt that it had to uh, veto the UN resolution about a ceasefire, which has damaged its position even further, but that it couldn't abandon Israel, one of its closest allies, um, just simply for the sake of, of pleasing international opinion. It must have been a very hard decision for the for the mm. Biden administration. But the... The key thing is that uh, the United States is going to be judged uh, not necessarily for precisely uh, what decisions it takes day by day, hour by hour, but by its overall efficiency and effectiveness as 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 a great power. And that means talking to absolutely everybody, trying to just show that that the United States is on top of Mm -hmm. this. Very hard to do, but uh, that's that's I think really what's going on. Rather than um, <clears throat> getting a specific uh, um, set of decisions out of somebody like Mohammed bin Salman. Now, meantime, uh, domestically, the pr- pressure on some Democrats—they're saying, you know, supporting Israel may lose Democrats the White House, and uh, they are concerned anyway about uh, aspects of, of Joe Biden's. Uh, abilities uh, going into the election if it's against Donald Trump. And the the question is whether they have to jettison Biden now using some mechanism. Um, it must be unprecedented for White House staffers to be protesting and urging uh, their own boss uh, outside with posters and so on to opt for a ceasefire in Gaza. Yeah, I mean, it, 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 it is um, weird and uh, slightly ludicrous. Um, in the last time anything remotely like this happened was in the late 60s with, um, with, with President Johnson, where some of his staffers uh, came out and protested against his Vietnam War policies. Um, I think we're looking now at the return of, uh, of, of Donald Trump um and uh you know there's quite a lot of of nervousness as you can imagine about that in countries right around the world um and uh that is that is what i think biden's policies and his age and the looks of 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 him the way that uh that he uh, approaches the whole thing um i think that's what what is what is causing it uh plus um a, an important very important element which isn't actually even accurate that the US economy was better under Trump than it is under Biden i mean all the indications are it's actually better under Biden but um that's not how people feel because perhaps because Biden isn't going up and down telling them how fantastic things are for them in the way that uh, that Donald Trump did and is still doing when he when he talks mm-hmm. about a future presidency of his own so uh, i think what we're seeing I, I you know there are mechanisms for getting persuading presidents but uh, to step down as as the candidate but there's nothing kind of formal and legal about it and um, I think it's all down to Joe Biden, whether he feels he might be able to pull the rabbit out of the hat or whether he's just got to carry on yeah. um, 
you know, doing what he wants. He did, uh, cam- he co- confessed at a campaign event uh, that the only reason he would be running is if, um, because Trump is likely to be the Republican candidate and he believes that uh, he can uh, stop him. But all of this is compounded then uh, by the Ukraine problem and the Republicans blocking aid to Ukraine uh, unless Joe Biden changes his tack on the southern border to keep uh, immigrants out. Um, so it's uh, talk about a, a difficult choice requiring a Solomon-like judgment. Yeah, I, I, personally, I, <clears throat> I can't see how Joe Biden's going to do it. Um, the key to American politics is uh, always just a handful of states, five or six states, which um, may or may not change their allegiance in an election. And um, all the indications are that something like four out of six are, are, are going Donald Trump's way. So, I mean, it, you know, I, I, I think we've really got to start thinking about having uh, President Trump coming back, uh, how he's going to be different, if he is going to be different, and all the things that it'll it'll mean, particularly for for Ukraine. I, I think, um, you know, there's no doubt about it. He'll hand over, he'll do what what he always does. I mean, he talks about being the master of the deal. But uh, in international terms, for instance, with North Korea, with uh, Afghanistan, what he does, uh, the deal that he presents to people is to say, I will give up my strong card, whatever that may be, the presence of American troops in Afghanistan, for instance, if you will promise to behave better or to do something that I want you to do. And of course, countries like North Korea, Afghanistan, the Taliban in North in Afghanistan were absolutely delighted to say, yes, yes, anything you want, we'll do it. And so he gives up his the prime card, which in the case of Ukraine would be uh, giving it so much aid and, and weaponry. Um, and Russia, in the meantime, can make any promise that, that, that Trump wants of it. Uh, and there's, of course, no guarantee of whatever at the end that he'll, that Russia will keep the promise. Now, uh, Vladimir Putin has been uh, holding his annual um, press conference, if that's the right word, uh, this morning. And uh, obviously, um, there will be calls if they ever get through to him uh, from the, the wives of servicemen who desperately want to be brought home. Um, however, it's an orchestrated event, as it always has been under Putin, and um, what it will be, what it will mean, is hard to say. Yeah, I've been to a couple of those press conferences. They're um, fantastic occasions. Uh, you come away with a real sense of uh, Putin's uh, intellectual abilities and his grasp of the whole thing. They can go on for four hours, and. Um, you know, the assumption naturally is that, of course, the questions will all be controlled and so on. Not so. Uh, people are ringing in with the questions, ordinary citizens, and you can get all sorts of crazy off-the-wall questions or really, really hostile questions. Uh, the last time I was there was about five years ago, I think, um, and uh, the woman in, char- in front of me was actually quite a well-known dissident journalist uh she's been silenced and 
had to leave the country now, but nobody stopped her asking quite a, a difficult and pointed question of him, of, of Putin, um, and he gave a, a strong and clear answer. Nobody, nobody says you can't ask the president these questions. Um, his, his stock in trade is to deal with uh, with the most outlandish and difficult questions imaginable, and doing it actually, I have to say, pretty pretty impressively. So anything can happen. Yes, I mean the the wife of a serviceman who's been killed or or, or badly injured may well get in touch. I mean, Putin has bought off those particular that particular group of people, the, the wives of 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 dead and injured servicemen by simply upping the the reward that they get. And there's always an indication, a sort of hint that uh, if they behave badly and start demanding other other concessions, then the uh, the award will be taken away. But, you know, people are capable of asking these these questions. And it's uh, I'm really sorry I'm not there, but I'm not, of course, Mm -hmm. Like uh, most Western journalists, I'm not not able to get a visa to Russia nowadays to to attend it. Anyway, John, he started off by reading out a a lot of economic statistics, including GDP growth is predicted 3.5%, he said. And also he's promised an 18% increase in the minimum wage from the 1st of January 2024. So uh, lots of goodies in store for uh, a Russian public who thought maybe things were going to turn very badly economically for them with the war in Ukraine. John, look, thank you very much for uh, joining us. Uh, John Simpson, uh, World Affairs Editor with the BBC, uh, author and broadcaster. John, thanks a million for being on the programme. The Pat Kenny Show with Aviva Insurance. Weekdays at 9am on News Talk.